Welcome to church this morning. It's so good to see you. My name's Austin. I get the privilege to be the lead pastor here, and it truly is a joy to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, thinking about the message uh, over the past week and, and trying hard to um, emphasize my praise, emphasize how much I lift praise to God, how much I praise the Lord for the things that he's done and how much I've praised the Lord for uh, who he's been to me and the grace that he shows, the mercy that triumphs over judgment. All of these things, right, that he is and does for us, I've tried hard to, in my time of devotion or in my time of driving in the car or in my time of just, uh, uh, you know, any, any in-between moment, it's the in-between moments, I've tried so hard to just think on those things, right? The Bible tells us whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are profitable. Think on these things, right? And uh, so I've tried to do so. Anybody else in this place tried to do something like that over the past week? Okay, yeah. I'll tell you what, if God's people who are called by his name would wake their praise, boy, what a world, what a world. Well, it's no uh, secret the condition of the world in, in today's time. We're praying for Israel. But let me challenge you to also pray for Palestine. Let me challenge you to pray for Russia. Let me pa uh, challenge you to pray for the world. Because this isn't a flesh and blood problem. This is a spiritual problem. We, uh, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of the air and the uh, forces of darkness. We are in fight, or we are in a fight with the devil, not with Russians or Palestinians or, or uh, uh, China or, or whoever else that you can place in that category. That's not who we're fighting against. We're fighting against the enemy. So let's um, lo lock in on our target, assess, and uh, combat. How do we combat the enemy? We wake our praise. We remember what God has done and what he will do and what he's promised. Amen. Well, I'm excited for this morning um, because we get to start a new series. I've been thinking about these things. Uh, I try to plan accordingly, but sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, you know what? And I like it this way better. The Holy Spirit will just change things up on me. And it's my job to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and try my best to follow the direction of the Lord uh, for the messages that are taught and preached from this stage. And, and uh I'm just going to say that it, uh, I'm thankful that God allowed us to preach this, or is allowing us to go into this sermon series. I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to share it with you. It's called the goat. It's called the goat. Anybody know what goat means? Greatest of all time. I want to talk about the goat. I want to talk about the greatest of all time. Over the next few weeks, I want to learn from lessons uh, that uh, are highlighted in the life of Jesus. I want to learn about the greatest of all time. We can name some greats in here. Spiritual greats. Somebody go. Your hero in the faith. Who? That's her hero. <laughs> Spiritual heroes in the faith. Some could say Billy Graham. He was the greatest of all time evangelist. Uh, some could say who else? Greatest of all time spiritual heroes in this place. Anybody? Throw one at me. King David, okay, here we are. We're, we're talking biblical heroes now. King David, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter. Let's talk about the greatest of all time in our culture today. Some people would argue that Kobe was better than Michael Jordan. Who knows? I think they were both greats. 
total goats. Anybody have a greatest of all time that you could, that you could throw out on the table this morning? You could be in any genre, greatest of all time singer. Who is that? Who? Brandon Lake? Yeah, he's a good one. What about uh, Whitney Houston? She was a great. Um, Michael Jackson. Don't look at me so sanctified in this place. Let's talk. <laughs> the greats. I mean, we could think through history and think through our culture about the greats in history, and, uh, but none of them amount to the, the greatness of our God. And I can't wait to share just over the next couple of weeks the greatness of our God exemplified through the life of Jesus. There are some greats that I do want to make mention of that may correspond with the messages. So each week I'll bring to you someone who may be considered to be a great in, in history, right? And uh, hopefully we can learn some things about our history, but also tie that to the greatness. And maybe, maybe it will... Um, it will shine light on, even more light on the greatness of our Lord Jesus. And so, over the next couple of weeks, I wanna talk about the goat, the greatest of all time, and look at lessons from the life of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for your blessing. We pray for all those who are out sick today and all those who are traveling. Lord, we pray that you would bless them uh, and, and give them safe travels or, or, Lord, bring a speedy recovery to the things that they are struggling with. God, we know that you are the author and the finisher of our, uh, finisher of our faith. We know that you are the great uh, physician. We can trust and depend on you, God. And so we do that this morning. We trust and depend on you. And we're leaning on your grace and we're leaning on your mercy. We're leaning on your faithfulness and your ability to heal in your ability to lift up, that is uh, that which is downcast, God. And we just trust in you this morning. We pray your blessing over the sermon, Lord, as I believe you've already anointed it. Lord, send it out as far as it can go, as far as your will will take it. And Lord, I pray that lives and hearts will be changed, uh, that perspectives will be enhanced, and that we would be built, built up in our faith through these messages as we look through um, the greatest of all time, uh, your son Jesus and what he has done on this cross or what he's done on this planet, in this world, in our hearts, in this life. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We got anybody under 33 years old in this place? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. It's okay to be young. We got a lot of people under 33. So Jesus died at the age of 33 years old. I hit my wife with this one earlier because she was acting up. Jesus died at the age of 33 years old, did so much within three, three and some odd years, like a lot. Anybody know about the things that Jesus did? I mean, all the traveling, all the things that he did, all the, all the places he went, all the healings, all the, all, all the teaching, all the monumental, impactful things that he did within that three years, okay? And then he left this earth at the age of 33. Now, all of us that raised our hands being under the age of 30 or 33 years old. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done? I say that to say this, that time is so short. And those of us that get the privilege to live past 33, to those of us that get the privilege to live, you know, good, long, healthy lives, praise the Lord. But time is short. We never know. Like, the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. We never know what's right around the corner. And that's a beautiful thing, but a, you know, an unsettling thing in, in the same. You should be uncomfortable with that. Because though time is short, and though, uh, though we're not allotted forever on this planet, we are gifted 
with the privilege to do something great alongside and with the greatest of all time, Jesus. The Bible talks about a time where we will stand before the seat of judgment, before the Father, and he won't ask you about the songs that you sang. He won't ask you about the prayers that you prayed. He'll ask you, what have you done with my son Jesus? We get the privilege to work right alongside, hand in hand, step for step, heart in heart, with the greatest of all time, Jesus. That's good. And I hope that this sermon series will bring into perspective for you just what that means and the importance and the impact that you can make in your life in the short time that we have here on this earth with Jesus. What it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. What it means to truly work for the Lord and devote your life to the Lord. These things, lessons from the life of the goat, Jesus. You ready? Some of you. Okay. There was a... Dutch man, he was a spectacle maker. He made spectacles. Named Zacharias Jansen. He's credited with uh, one of the great inventions of history. He's known as the guy who invented the earliest compound microscopes. Ones that used two lenses around uh, 1600 in the 1600s. The earliest microscopes could magnify an object up to 20 or 30 times its normal size. Anybody know what uh, microscopes are used for? The ones with the little twisty knobs and the three lenses and you spin them and you can look. What do they look, or what are they used for? Research. How about modern medicine? Anybody thankful for that headache medicine you took this morning? Anybody thankful for that blood pressure medicine? Lord knows we need it sometimes. Anybody thankful for, I mean, uh, who said it this morning? Somebody said it this morning, actually, that drugs were a good thing. Who was that? I don't know who it was, but somebody said drugs mean, no, it wasn't this morning, it was last night. Not talking about drugs. It, it, It was an older man, and they call medicine drugs, that context here. Okay, anyway. This microphone, or this microscope, um, was key in the development of what we know today as medicines and uh, if you're, you know, a part of the generation that calls them drugs, you know, just, you know, those things, ibuprofens, the, the medicines that we take that heal or at least um, soothe the effects of the diseases that our bodies face and, and that uh, the pains and the aches and the, uh, the ailments that we have Microscopes played such a a huge part in the development of these things because of the insight that it gave to our bodies and the diseases that our bodies fight. With a microscope, you could see just how the cell interacts with the disease or the disease interacts with the cell. It's something unheard of before. You couldn't see things like that. You couldn't know things like that before. And so without the microscope, modern medicine would not be nearly as good as it is today and half of us wouldn't even be sitting here. It was a Dutch man named Zacharias Jansen that made eyeglasses that got the idea to put a couple lenses together and see how far you could magnetize it. And because of that, we got a good glimpse into something that otherwise we may have never seen before. Now that is very important. 
Because today, Jesus, hopefully, will give you a good glimpse into something that maybe you have never even seen before. Let's take a look. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, of course, he's traveling here, there, and everywhere. He's going all over the place uh, on his journeys to uh, teach the world or reveal to the world the gospel, the good news. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, somebody say he went in. When he entered the house, the blind men approached him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? That's monumental. They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, let it be done for you according to your faith. There's all kinds of stuff wrapped up in this. And their eyes were opened. It's a miracle. Do you believe that I can do this for you? As they stood there blind in desperation. Yes, Lord. All right, let it be done according to your faith. And then they saw. Keep that in your minds. Then Jesus warned them sternly. Be sure that no one finds out. But they went out and spread, spread the news about him throughout the whole area. They did it anyway. They went out and told everyone anyway. Some may ask, why in the world would Jesus not want them to tell about what he had done? Well, it's a simple phrase that is said many times throughout the gospel. Jesus would say, it's not my time yet. Or it's not, uh, it's not the time for that yet. Uh, Jesus had much work to be done and, and uh, he could use not having his enemies chase him down every city he went to to try and kill him. He had work to do. Anyway, that, it's as simple as that. Today I want to talk about the greatest of all time, the greatest revelator. The greatest revelator. Anybody in here know what a, rev, a revelator is? What's a revelation? A revelation is something that is, uh, it's, it's the Moment of unveiling, that's what a revelation is. It's, it's a moment of unveiling or uncovering, bringing to light something that was in the dark. It is unveiling. And Jesus, I know to be, is the greatest revelator. He reveals to us through his gospel uh, works, through what we know as the gospel, he reveals to us the gospel, the good news. He came to save and to heal that which was lost. He, he came to reveal to the world the love and the passion of God the Father through Christ the Son. And that love exemplified on the cross. He is the revelator. He is the greatest revelator. He has come to reveal. The revelator is the one who is tasked with the responsibility of revealing something or unveiling something or bringing something from darkness to light. Jesus is the Father's great revelator. He's the greatest of all time. And the reason why you could say that is because he came and revealed to us something that had we not received that revelation from Jesus, had we not seen the love of God exemplified on the cross of Christ, had we not noticed the mighty work of Jesus and the teachings and, and this and, and that, which we can point to in the word of God about Jesus. Had we not seen these things, maybe we had not even known that there was a way out from sin. Maybe we had not known that there was a 
path to the Father. Maybe we had not known that we don't have to die in our trespasses and sins, but praise the Lord that he is faithful and just in his mercy, uh, exemplified on the cross of Calvary. It's deep. It goes deep. So, four things. These are four things that I want to share with you uh, concerning Jesus as our revelator. Uh, as we look at this passage here and what Jesus did, this kind of dialogue between him and the two uh, blind men, but then also what Jesus has done. I don't want to talk a whole lot uh, about what people have said or what people think. I want to talk about what Jesus does. And so that's the focus of today, and I want to look at these four things. One thing that I want to look at is this, that Jesus seems to never be too busy for anyone who calls upon his name. Have you noticed that? When you read the Bible, he seems to never be too busy for people. Like, this is a busy God. He came to reveal to the world the grace and the mercy of our God, right? Someone who really, without Jesus, the notion would be that he is hateful, that he is mean, and that he hates you, and that he wants you to die and perish forever, right? He looks to the world as this mean, scary man on a throne with a lightning bolt ready to strike you down because of your sin, that's what he looks like, because that's the picture that is painted. But Jesus comes to shed light on the subject. Jesus comes to reveal the truth. Somebody say, a revelation. He is the revelator. He came to reveal the truth. What is the truth, Austin? The truth is this, is that God is not mad at you because of your sin. He does not hate you because of your sin. He hates your sin, but he doesn't hate you because of your sin. He understands you. If he knit you together in your mother's womb, if he can count the number of hairs that are on your head, what makes you think that you, in your wayward flesh, can cause him to tuck tail and run? He's a big God. He understands you. He loves you. He will never endorse your sin. He will never influence your sin. He is no tempter of man. But I'll tell you what, when sin does you in, God steps in. I'll say it again. When sin does you in, God will step in. He is the great revelator. And Jesus seems to never be too busy for anyone who will call out on his name. Notice, Jesus enters the house. The two blind men following Jesus I can imagine because it kind of seems like the men were in the house and then they step out, but then they step back in or whatever the case may be. But I can see uh, the two blind men like, like trying to feel around or, or maybe they know their area, right? It's a muscle memory. They know the bounds of the, the house or the place in which that, this is all speculation. And, and maybe they heard, you know, it's another thing. You, they, they hear that Jesus is close, right? Oh, there's that guy. There's Jesus. Like he's, he's the one that's been healing people, or he's the one that's uh, saying all these things. Uh, did you hear what the Pharisees said they were going to do to him? Or so on and so forth, right? They hear, and what happens is, what I can imagine is these guys are like, oh, Lord, here's our shot, calls out to Jesus, and he comes in the house. Jesus, the healer of the universe, was there from the beginning. The Son of God, holy, righteous, and mighty, never seems to be too busy for anyone who will call upon his name. That's what I want to share with you today. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says this, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. This salvation is for everyone. Jesus' attention is for everyone. Jesus' love, grace, mercy, kindness, goodness is for everyone. 
There's none in here that is uh, more righteous than the other. There's no one in here that Jesus would rather give more attention to than the other. Jesus is here for everyone. If you call out to him, he's coming for you. If you call out to him, Jesus, save me, he's coming for you. You can rest assured because he never seems to be too busy for those who are bold enough to call upon his name. Second thing I want you to realize is this, that your belief will open the door for God to do his best work in you. Do you know that? Your belief will open the door for God to do his best work within you. Look at the question that Jesus asks the two blind men. Do you believe that I can do this for you? Now, why in the world would Jesus ask that? What what do you mean, Jesus? I'm calling out to you. I hear that you can do something for me. I need you to help me. I need to see. Or maybe for you, it's I need a new job. Or maybe for you, it's I need my husband to love me better. Or maybe for you, it's I need my wife to respect me more. Or maybe for you, it's, gosh, we could use some more groceries in the pantry. Or maybe for you, it's, man, I wish I could put my child in a better school. Whatever the case may be or whatever the need may be, you call upon the name of the Lord and you can rest assured that he will be there. But it's your belief in him that will open the door for him to do his greatest work inside of you. What does that mean? You can hinder the effect of the Holy Spirit on your life. Did you know that? Doubt is the biggest blockade for the hand of the Lord on your life. You want to know why? Because the Lord will not force his hand on you. He will not force his hand in your life. He is a gentleman, some would say. If you believe in him, he'll be there. If you deny him, he's here, but you won't notice. Do you believe that I can do this? I wonder what's going on in your life today. I wonder what you're going through. I wonder the real things that you're dealing with. Not the, not the just like, oh, I got a headache, but like the real things. What's keeping you up at night? What are you dealing with? What's the worries? What's the stresses? What's the fears? What's the battles? Whatever that case may be, what is that? What, I wonder what that is, and then picture this. Do you believe that the Lord will do something about it? Because that's what sets everything off. That's what, you know, that's the, that's the, the dynamic of the whole thing. Jesus is willing and able to do for you anything that you will ask of him. He says, ask and you shall receive. Believe and you will see. Ask, seek, and knock. Those who ask will receive. Those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be open. Isn't that what the Bible says? Do you believe that Jesus can take care of your food pantry? Do you believe that Jesus could take care of whatever it is that is that ailment that's got you worried? Do you believe that Jesus can uh, orchestrate and, and, and direct the hand of the surgeon as he works on you and, and, and hopefully brings you to full restoration health-wise? Do you believe that God is able to do a work in your life? Do you believe that God is able to connect you with the proper connections to get you that job you've been praying for? Do you believe these things? 
She says, oh, well, Austin, I haven't really thought about that. I don't bring that type of thing to the Lord. That's the problem. We think that we can't bring everyday things to the Lord. When God desires the everyday things with you, he wants the everyday things with you. And so it goes back to our first point. It never fails. It, it seems that Jesus is never too busy for anyone who will call upon his name. But you must be bold enough to call upon his name. Lean not on your own understanding, but on every word that comes from the word of God. Your belief will open the door for God to do his best work in you. Jesus said, do you believe? Look at Romans 10, verse 9. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You gotta believe. You gotta believe that God does really care about you in your circumstance. You gotta believe that God really does want to be so much a part of your everyday life. You gotta believe that God does care about the fact that you may only have $10 for gas today. You, you gotta believe that God cares about you and that he is just as present with you as the person sitting next to you. You gotta believe it because that belief will open the door for God to do his best work in you. Stepping towards God in belief expresses your dependency in him, your depend, dependency on him. When you step forward in belief, you express to the Lord that I depend on you. I need you, God. Anybody need the Lord in this place? Surely all of us couldn't take the next breath without him. I want you to know that. You wouldn't have got out of bed this morning without him. I want you to know that. And as, a, as sure as you think the sun will rise every day, one day it won't, and it'll be on his command. Do you know that? This is the sovereignty and the power of God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, uh, powerful, sovereign. Holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, sovereign. I can't repeat it enough. He is holy, holy, holy. Did you know there are seraphim right now, angel, or angelic beings that go to and fro in front of his throne and all they do is just cry out the holiness of God. Like he's that holy, okay? None of us have assistants running around talking about you're, you're so holy, you know? No, he is holy. He's righteous, he's magnified, he's glorious. He's the creator of all things. He says, let there be light and bang, there's a sun, right? It's crazy, right? No, none of you can do that. I don't know anybody else on this earth that can do that. He can. And with that great a magnitude, he still cares about you loves you, looks at you as child, looks at you as favored, looks at you as chosen, and cares about your day-to-day. -day. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? Do you believe that he cares about you? Because once you take a step towards God in belief, you will see just what that will do. You will see the door swing wide open. You'll be able to notice the hand of God in your life. Third thing I want you to see today is that your miracles will be measured by your faith. Anybody looking for a miracle in this place? Anybody need a miracle? God, I need a miracle right now. God, I need you to do something that seems impossible. Did you know God is the God of the impossible? Did you know I've seen him do impossible things? I don't know if you have in this place, but I've prayed, and not because of my prayer, but because of his might. He's done impossible things. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I could testify to it today. I've seen God do the impossible. Your miracle will be measured by your faith. Look at what Jesus says. Let it be done according to your faith. 
according to your faith. What does that mean? With the same measure of faith that you will give, same measure of outpouring that you'll receive. Do you know that? It's a biblical principle. I'll show you. Look, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, the Bible says this. That baby's okay. When he entered Capernaum, who's he? Jesus. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, a centurion being a leader in the army, came to him, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and in terrible agony. He said to him, I, or am I to come and heal him, Lord? Uh, or, sorry, am I to come and to heal him? Jesus said, Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you under or come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Did you catch the faith in that statement? Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. You don't have to travel that distance. Just say the word because I know that at your word, at your breath, my servant can be made well. I know. I have faith to know. Look what happens here. He says, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. Having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and, and, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And hearing this, Jesus was amazed. Do you want to amaze Jesus? Show some faith. Jesus was amazed. He said to them, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from the east and the west to share the banquet with Abraham, talking about uh, the, the, uh, the supper, the great, great supper uh, with the Lord. I'm, it's slipping my mind. The great and faithful supper with the Lord. The, uh, the, the, what'd you say, Becky? Marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise the Lord for Becky. I'm going to tell you what. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Anyway, he's, he's speaking into that, and he says, Many will come uh, from east and west to share with the banquet of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. Okay. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is foreshadowing for another, uh, another message there. But then Jesus told the centurion, this is important here. This is what I wanted to get to. Go. As you have believed, let it be done for you. Did you get that? Underline that if you do that in your Bible. Circle that. Take note of that. Do something and go chew on that, okay? That is important. Go. Everybody say go. As you have believed, let it be done for you. And this servant was healed that very moment. The believer is unstoppable when his or her faith aligns with God's word. Did you know that? You are unstoppable if your faith aligns with God's word. Anything can happen because he's the God of the impossible. That sickness that doesn't seem to be able to be healed can be healed. That worry that keeps you up every single night can be taken care of. And you can get some rest and peace in Jesus. I'm telling you, when the believer aligns his or her faith with God's word, it's it's unstoppable. That is an unstoppable concoction of faith. Let it be done for you as you have believed. Your miracles will be measured by your faith. So how's your faith in this room today? And faith and belief go hand in hand. I get it. 
Well, what's your faith level looking like? What's the faith meter looking like for your life today? Look at that for a second. Check that out. Assess that. Look into that. Do you have the faith to say to a mountain, move, and, and believe God for that mountain to move? Do you have the faith to pray consistently? See, here's the problem, and I'll get off on this tangent. Here's the problem, because I'm guilty of it too. We'll pray for something that's important, but we'll only pray for it once. And if God doesn't answer after that one time, we just throw it off like he said no. But maybe the fact that we only prayed once about it showed God that it wasn't that important to us in the first place. Pray without Ceasing, the Bible says. Prayer and petition. Well, petition doesn't seem like uh, one signature and you're done. Petition is a reoccurring and and consistent uh, acknowledgement and importance placed on a certain subject. How many of us pray like that? How many of us have the faith to pray like that? I'm not saying you got to lock yourself in a room and pray for hours and hours and hours, but what I'm saying is don't wonder why you're not seeing the hand of God move in your life if, one, you doubt and lack belief, but then, two, you don't have the faith to stay consistent with the Lord. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody in this place today, but I'm sure speaking to myself. I'm sure talking about my life. What's your faith look like today? How much do you pray and what do you pray about? Think on these things. It's these things that when you can assess them and look at them and narrow them down, put them under the magnifying glass, it's those things that will cause you to get a glimpse into something that you may not have seen had you not. He's the great revelator, isn't he? He'll show you things if you'll just look towards him. Your miracles will be measured by your faith. Fourthly, Lastly, when your faith becomes your sight, you can't help but to tell somebody. When your faith becomes your sight, you can't help but to just tell somebody. Anybody ever experienced that in your life before? You ever experienced a miracle of the Lord? You ever experienced God do something great in your life and you just can't help to tell everybody? And you know there's some people that you are aggravating. You know there's some people that really, this is like, okay, you've told me three times this week how good God is. There's those people, I get it. But I'm just saying, it's like, have you ever done that? Has the Lord ever really shown up in your life and you just got, you have no choice but to have to tell somebody about it? That's what these guys experienced. And even when Jesus was like, hey, don't tell a soul. They said, okay, hey, everybody. That's what they did. Because it was like the can't help. It's like I was blind, but now I can see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was in darkness, but now I'm saved and I'm in the light. God has saved me. He's changed me. He's molded me. He's shaped me into something new. I'm a new person. I don't, I'm no longer who I was. Now I'm someone new. I can actually see. Could you imagine that experience? Could you imagine not being able to see for however long? Who knows? Having that, that, that ailment you can't see, you're blind. And then here comes a man that people have talked about being miraculous, and he shows up at your doorstep, and you say, hey, well, hey, uh, uh, come, I need you. And he says, do you believe? And you're like, yes, Lord, I believe. Let it be done according to your faith. And boom, mustard seed-sized faith was enough. They had never seen Jesus work. They'd only heard of him, maybe. 
And that's a guess. But it was the mustard seed sized faith that moved that mountain of blindness right off their eyes. And they could see. They had no choice but to want to tell somebody about it. Had no choice but to want to uh, show somebody. Hey, come look. I can see. I know what this is and that is and this is and that is. And boy, I didn't know my house was so dirty. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, this changes everything. You remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? You were saved? Those of you who have made that impactful decision for your life in this place today, do you remember that moment when you gave your life to the Lord and you meant it and you had all the faith and all the belief in Jesus to come in and, and change you from the inside out and clean you up and, and wash you white as snow and take that crimson stain of sin and wash it white as snow? Do you remember that moment in your life? How impactful was that in your life? Was it not just so impactful that you had to tell somebody? I remember the night I gave my life to the Lord. I had uh, literally everybody in my contacts list. I was like, hey, brother, I know this is going to seem weird, but I got this new boldness up inside of me. I just got to tell you, hey, Jesus is real, and he will save you, and he saved me. And I gave my and I probably made no sense to some people. Like, I was probably rambling because I was just so excited. God had just done something in my life like that. And, 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 and so I just tell them, and I'm just talking and talking and talking. Some people hang up on me. Some people will listen to me. Some people will praise the Lord with me. Some people will be like, dude. Uh, that's cool for you, but I'm not that kind of guy. Whoever, whenever, however, I was shouting it to the rooftop. All that is to say this, a bold love is not scarce in the believer. A bold love is not scarce among the redeemed. If you've been redeemed, you got something to praise the Lord about. If you've been redeemed, you know what redemption is? It's, it's, it's uh, when, when, when you are redeemed, it's like um, you are, uh, how do I put this? Uh, let's put our, our lives in, in, in the illustration for today. You're lost in your trespasses and sins, and there's no way out of that. You can't do anything to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to pay the payment for your sin. You're stuck. But praise be to God, Jesus, the perfect person, never sins, holy, righteous, pure, decides to step in your place and trade spots with you. And so now, because he stood in your place... Now you are righteous and he's the one who's marred by sin. And he takes it on the cross. What is that? It's, it's my favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I believe. It says, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You know what that means? Exactly that. He has redeemed us by taking our place on the cross and putting us in his place. Giving us a seat with the Father at the table. Giving us a place among the throne. Not that we'd be rulers or, or holy in any other way that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's praiseworthy. That's something to praise the Lord about. That's something to get loud about. That's something to tell somebody about. If you've been redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. You told anybody about what the Lord has done in your life? Or is it a transactional type faith? God, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and we're, we're good. Thank you for your get-out-of-hell-free card. Is that what this relationship looks like with you? I challenge you. If that's what you think this is with Jesus, you got it wrong, brother. 
It's not what Jesus has done. Jesus didn't save you so you could sit quietly in a pew and listen to some guy ramble for 30, 45 minutes. Jesus didn't save you so you could sit comfortably at home on your couch in your PJs eating uh, bananas and cereal watching the preacher online. Jesus didn't save you so that you can be comfortable. Jesus saved you so that you could be uncomfortable, that you could be restless, that you could go tell, that you could go share, that you could go magnify and glorify and spread and multiply. That's why Jesus saved you, church. I want you to know that the reason why he told these guys not to go tell somebody is because he had more work to do on this earth. But now the comforter has come, the Holy Spirit has come, and now we all have that work to do. And so this, uh, this idea that, well, Jesus was telling them to be quiet. We should be quiet too. No, that's, take the context, that's out of there. You should be loud. We should be loud about Jesus. We should be open about Jesus in any setting, any facet, any area, any job, any place with people, any public place, any, anything. We should be clearly followers of Jesus. We should be clearly on fire for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that we should be a bunch of Ned Flanders from the Simpsons. If you watch the Simpsons, you're a sinner too, so there you go. I'm not saying we should be a bunch of Ned Flanders in here, if you know what I mean. But what I am saying is like, hey, if Jesus did something on the inside of you, it's okay to be open about it because that's what he expects of you. And if it was at all real inside of you, it should come. It should just be there anyway. Uh, Do you understand the severity of what happened? I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but praise be to God, he saved me. He saved me. He took me from death to life. That's severe. That is reality. That is, uh, that is a testimony. That's the testimony. Psalm chapter 105, verse 1 says this. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell about all his wondrous works. Honor his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face Always remember the wondrous works that he has done. His servant, Jacob's descendants, the, or the, his wonders and his judgments he has pronounced, you offspring of Abraham and his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. A bold love is not scarce among the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Band, if you want to come up and, and lead us in this time of response, I'll invite you up now. Church, I want you to know that Jesus is the greatest of all time. Always has been and always will be. He tops the leaderboards of all your favorite athletes. He tops the leaderboards of all your superheroes. He is the greatest of all time in the day. I hope that he has been this for you. He surely has been this for me, the great revelator. Hopefully, he's given you a glimpse into your faith. That's the purpose of it all. If you wondered at all why we talked about what we talked about today and why we went down the paths that we went down today uh, concerning Jesus being the great revelator. Because hopefully, I, I hope that he has been that microscope for you. I hope that Jesus and the testimony of his works on the cross have given you a glimpse into your own faith. I hope that what he has done on the cross of Calvary has given you a glimpse into your own relationship with him. And let the reality of whatever that is set in today and respond to that. Respond to what you see. 
this biblical account, Jesus not only caused the men to see, but he also gave them great sight into the power of their faith. Jesus came to reveal to you and I the true power of the gospel that takes shape within the believer. And they truly believe. So here's my question. I'll leave you with this. I love you, church. Thank you for being here today. But will you choose today to look deeply into your faith as a believer? Would you assess in this very moment as we have this opportunity to respond to the gospel what it is that God has revealed to you today? What is God revealing to you right now in this moment? I promise you if you'll take three minutes, just three minutes to assess that, I know we're always in a hurry. We're always in a rush. But if every one of us would take three minutes just to look inwardly and think, what is God showing me today? What is it that he's pointing out in front of me right now? I promise you it will change your whole perspective. Meet God here today. Come before him boldly. He's given you that ability. Hopefully he's given you that sight into your faith today that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have seen. Would you respond? Everybody stand with me as they lead us in a moment of worship. If you have a need or if you need to, come before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. If you just need to do business with the Lord, these altars are always open and they're open for you to do just that. Come before the Lord. Meet with God. Assess for just three minutes that which He has pointed out on the inside of you and I today. Would you take this time and use it wisely? I hope you will. I love you, church. Hey, it's Pastor Austin. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for joining in on what God is doing right here at Overcome Church. I want to ask you something. Would you consider giving to the ministry here at Overcome Church? We are looking for new ways and opportunities to expand the gospel message preached from this pulpit. We are looking for all the ways God wants to use us to reach people like you and people like me and people around the world. And so if you would like to join in with this ministry and truly impact the people that this ministry touches, would you please consider uh, giving safely online or maybe you want to uh, send a check by mail to our P.O. box or, or maybe the next time you're here in person, would you consider giving either in the offering plate or, or in the kiosk? Either way, you can choose one of these three ways to give to the ministry here and it will be stewarded well and it will be used to uh, truly impact the community around us for the namesake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope this message has given you good perspective, new perspective. I hope you can go now throughout the rest of your day with new thought and new determination to serve the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us here at Overcome Church. We love you. We can't wait to see you next time.